In my last episode of My Time, My Life, I talked about the struggles and challenges I faced as a young model in New York. On today's episode, I'll talk about how I left New York for Boston to take a break. When I decided to leave New York for Boston to be with my boyfriend for a few months, I'd never seen my mom so happy for me to be doing something because of a man. I shouldn't say I went to Boston to be with him exactly, but it was an easy decision because Boston was a more manageable city that wasn't known to destroy people's dreams. I was so independent by now, and I only stayed with him for two weeks until I found my own place in Brookline. I'd answered an ad in the Boston Phoenix, Boston's alternative newspaper of the day, and moved in with two other women for $300 a month. Already a win for the $30 a day I'd been paying in New York. I signed up with a modeling agency and began waitressing at Pizzeria Uno, which was in the back bay on Boylston Street. It wasn't a great job. And a few months later, I found a better one waitressing at the Blue Wave, which is just around the corner in the South End. To date, the Blue Wave has been one of the best jobs I've ever had. It was there where I met some amazing people, some of whom I'm still friends with today, and one in particular who was one of my best friends. We are still tight as now as we were 30 years ago when we met. The Blue Wave was a happening restaurant and we had way more fun working there than we should have. The money was great and the owner was ahead of his time and he provided us with health insurance. While working there, I started thinking about returning to school since it was pretty clear I was not going to be returning to New York anytime soon. Some of my colleagues had gone to Emerson College and loved it and one of my regular customers taught there. I checked it out, applied, and I was accepted. Returning to school at 22 wasn't a huge challenge, even if I was older than my classmates. I continued to waitress full-time, and I went to school full-time. I started my program in January of 1994, and that fall, I did my semester abroad in the Netherlands, where I studied in a castle that Emerson owns in a small town called Well in the south of the country. This experience defies words, and it still leaves me without them 29 years later. It was simply incredible. Every week I traveled to a different city around Europe and I just had the best time. And because I'd spent time in Paris before, I really appreciated the opportunity that I was given and I made the most of my time there. I also didn't spend my time drinking excessively or doing drugs. Well, there was that one time I had a hash brownie, but that was it. I took a solo trip to Paris in early October, right after my 23rd birthday, and decided to look for a modeling agent again. I went to some open calls, and at one of them, they kept me waiting for what felt like forever as they looked at my portfolio in a conference room. One by one, different agents would poke their heads out and look at me without saying a word. Finally, someone came out and told me that at 20, I was too old and that I should have come to Paris when I was 15, and that had I, I'd be a star by now. You can't change these people's minds once they reject you, but it took everything in me not to scream that I was actually 23. So the joke was on them that they believed me when I lied about my age, and that I was in school at 15, and Paris had firmly rejected the stardom I could have had when I did arrive four short years later at 19. I had never been more grateful that I was in college than I was at that moment. The semester ended and I returned to Boston and started waitressing again. 
It was at the Blue Wave where I met someone who worked for Soundtrack Studios, which was an audio production house in Boston. I forget her role there, but she came in to pick up a to-go order one day and told me they were holding auditions for a radio voiceover and that I should stop by. I'd never done voiceover work before, but I went to the audition and I actually booked the job. It was for Ked's Shoes and it was a national job. I couldn't believe it. I'd beaten all these voice actors and had actually booked it. Then about a month later, she came back in and said they were recording another one and they wanted me to read for it. I almost didn't go because I had a hair appointment at a salon that was hard to get into, but I canceled and I went to the audition. And it was a good thing I did because what I didn't understand at the time was that they were rehiring me and I actually didn't even need to audition again. Would a touch-up have been worth missing that? I don't think so. Now I had two AFTRA, American Federation Radio Television Artists, jobs under my belt without even trying. So when a few months later, when I was hired to be Damon Wayans' stand-in on the film Celtic Pride that was shooting in Boston, I was considered a must-join for SAG, which stands for Screen Actors Guild, and I joined the union. I had no idea the value of being a SAG member was until I got to LA about a year later. Celtic Pride was my foray into the entertainment business, and I took a, took a semester off school to work on the film, which I got credit for. Dan Aykroyd also starred in the film, and I thanked him for ruining the reputation of my hometown. He looked at me like I was crazy, and when I told him I was from Joliet, he apologized and said, yeah, sorry about that. For those of you who don't know, look up the Blues Brothers and Joliet and you'll get this reference. After Celtic Pride, I resumed my studies and in the last semester of my senior year, winter 97, I studied at Emerson's LA Center, which is a rite of passage for most Emersonians who plan to work in the entertainment business after graduation. My best friend and I drove across country to LA and moved me into student housing, which was at the Oak Woods on Barham Boulevard, a mile and a half from the Warner Brothers lot. I secured an internship at E Entertainment and had classes a few days a week. By now, the sense of direction I had developed in Chicago, Paris, and New York was definitely helping me learn my way around LA. LA is an entirely different beast, but I figured it out soon enough. I found an agent and started booking modeling jobs occasionally, but nothing major. I was less concerned about modeling by this point and was focused on getting a job at E after graduation. This was on track to happen, and by the end of the semester, I'd passed whatever test they'd given me for an entry-level PA job, and I'd found an apartment to move into, into after graduation with a fellow student. For once, things were going my way, until they weren't. I went into work one day and was told that the job I was to be given no longer existed. Disney had bought the network and downsized the newsroom where I was meant to be working. And I just didn't have a job. I was heartbroken. I bet everything on working there and there were no other jobs to be had. All my other friends in the program had secured their jobs, but mine had fallen through. I was soon going to have to start paying back my hefty student loans with no job. I was swimming in debt by this point and I was at my wit's end. My friend's mother had graciously paid my share of the deposit for an apartment that we'd rented and signed a lease for, and I had to pay her back too. 
Frantically, I started looking for another job in the business and ultimately had to take a waitressing job. It definitely wasn't what I wanted, but it was something. I was meant to start after returning from Boston for graduation, and I did, and after I trained for three days, for free, mind you, the manager called me an hour before my shift to tell me they were going to try someone else for the job. I'd borrowed money from my friend for my uniform, and I'd be eating a frozen pizza for dinner just before they called. Now, I was out of a job before it even started. I was indebted to my friend's mother. I was indebted to my friend. I had bill collectors calling me about late payments, and my student loans were about to come due. This was not an easy time. But the resilience that I'd honed while modeling kicked in. Gratefully, I found a temp job, but it was not glamorous. I was hired to do data entry in the accounting department of the LA County Department of Mental Health in downtown LA. I suffered through this for a few months and every day sent out my resume to entertainment jobs. And I was still auditioning for modeling jobs. Eventually, I found a better temp job at the LA County Arts Commission. I didn't love this either, but it was a major step up. I used what resources the office had, which were the trades, the Daily Variety and Hollywood Reporter, and a fax machine. So every single day, I faxed out my resume to other jobs and eventually got a job at a film distribution house as a receptionist. It paid $400 a week and came with health insurance. I was thrilled until a few weeks later when it was time to get paid, I learned that the company was almost bankrupt and they couldn't guarantee I'd get paid on time. I told the office manager I didn't care what he had to do, that I was going to get paid fully and on time. And I did. I also told him I'd be looking for another job. This was exhausting. All I wanted was a job in TV and this was proving as elusive as modeling had been. I kept at it and one day I came into work and an account manager from a well-respected placement agency had left a voicemail pitching her services. I secretly called them back from a conference room and told her I'd been sending my resume to them for weeks and hadn't heard anything back. And I advised her against sending anyone to work at the company I was at because they were broke. I went to see her and a few weeks later I was working much better temp jobs. My jobs improved tremendously and I was suddenly working on the lots for the biggest production companies in the business. It was through this company that I landed at Overbrook Entertainment, Will Smith's company on the Universal lot and was hired on permanently. I was now in the game and after a year and a half there, I actually quit. I was completely fried from the entertainment business and wanted out. I'd been so burned during my years in LA and I just wanted to do something that was more fulfilling for me. So I started running volleyball games in Manhattan Beach for the South Bay Sport and Social Club, which was great fun and good exercise when I played a game. And I kept auditioning for acting and modeling jobs. That part was still really in me and I just felt like I needed to see it through a little bit longer. I picked up a flexible waitressing job at Rita Flora on La Brea because it would give me time to audition. And by now I had paid back my friend and her mother and had gotten my own place. One day, one of my customers asked me if I'd be open to doing a table read of a film he'd written. This was a great opportunity, and I said yes. That man was Lucas Reiner, brother of Rob Reiner and son of Carl Reiner, Hollywood legends. I went to his home, and I don't even remember what I read, 
but I remember that it was alongside Martin Landau and the actor Hill Harper. Hill Harper brought his girlfriend at the time, Regina Hall, of Girls Trip fame. She has since gone on to wonderful success, and we talked about our respective creative struggles and our student loan burdens. I was a fish out of water reading with that crew, but it was an absolutely remarkable experience and one that I would not have had had I not left Overbrook and taking a risk on trying to do something for myself again and doing my own thing. I eventually sold all my things and left LA for the relative comforts back in Boston. I was ready to start over. I had seen the underbelly of LA and it wasn't pretty. My best friend had rented a house for us in Jamaica Plain and I was ready to just figure it out when I got there and vowed to be satisfied with getting a normal job and living a quiet life. I've been seriously hustling now for about 10 years between my modeling years and my first years in the entertainment business and needed to take it easy for a bit. And then, after three days back in Boston, sitting in the new house I was renting with my friend, I got a call from a friend in LA who was working for Ben Affleck at the time. She told me Matt Damon needed an assistant and she told him all about me. I hadn't even fully unpacked yet, and she was telling me I needed to return to L.A. right away to meet with him. I had no money, and there was no way I was going to get back there anytime soon. When I told her to tell him I'd get there in a few weeks, she said I needed to come back the next day because she didn't know who else he was talking to. He was dating Winona Ryder at the time, and he could have easily been asking her if she knew anyone, my friend explained. It was 11.30 at night in Boston, and I just said... Okay, with no idea how on earth I was going to get back to L.A. the next day. I did the only thing I could do. I called my mom, woke her up, and told her about the situation. I don't recommend this, by the way. <laughs> she was quiet, and when I asked her for a credit card number to buy a plane ticket, she rattled it off, and then she said, This is going on your bill, Trinette. I said, Okay, what's the expiration date? and hung up. I flew back to LA the next day and sat on my friend's couch for two weeks waiting to meet with Matt. In the next episode of My Time, My Life, I'll talk about my time as a celebrity assistant and overnight finding myself in A-list Hollywood. Thank you for listening.